0: Solomon will pose two songs in the Psalms. He will offer these handful of verses. I'll only address one. Solomon said, except the Lord build the house, they that labor labor in vain, that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh but in vain. If we put this day into context, then let it be known that the Lord is the great builder and he is the great keeper. While I quote the verse, it's not always easily transferable because Solomon saw it a little clearer. He saw his work of his own hands, the building of the kingdom layered with all of its wealth and wonder. He built what would have been considered the most modern of cities, roadways and venues and houses and shipyards. But in the end, Solomon realized that none of it really mattered unless the Lord was the center of that city. Isaiah, the prophet, will rewrite those exact words in his self-titled book and then Paul, the apostle, will repeat them to the church in Rome. You see, there was a remnant left and God used As many of them to rebuild the broken down walls of Jerusalem, God left a remnant of the people to establish his kingdom here on earth. So in other words, it really didn't matter how creative or labor intensive they were. Only the Lord could keep what they built. Only the Lord could construct something that endured. He is, by the way, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the builder builder, and the keeper and the architect of all things. And we stand here today to recognize what the Lord has done in our city and in this place. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So to all the faithful saints who came before, we thank you for being stable, true, and consistent. Through times of plenty and times of want, there was a remnant of the saints of God that believed it to be the will of God for us to have a place of worship. When there was no light at the end of your tunnel, you sought for God's grace and mercy, and it was the Lord that kept the house through you. To all those who gave offerings and prayers, who were committed, those names are not known. Their lives are not all remembered, but we say thank you nonetheless. We say thank you to the apostolic faith believers. Though you may not have been a part of this church or invested in the church earlier than now, You were still holding down the faith wherever you were, believing that God would raise up something like this. For those who were here and loved New Life Tabernacle in those early years, we thank them for that. They were here in 1965. We only have one founding member left, Sister Mary Fell, who will turn 101 years old October the 15th. There were people worshiping God in the late 60s. They were worshiping the Lord and giving in the 70s, all through the 80s and 90s. Then, from 1999 to this moment, we have grown and we have struggled. We've battled, we've worshiped, we've rejoiced, we've built, prayed, fasted, sacrificed, and repeated that process many times over. Some of our members have died. And gone on to receive their reward. And we remember them with love and joy. Knowing that they rest with the maker of heaven and earth. I cannot call out all names but from baby Carter. To Jared Torrance. Some young and then some old. The most recent of which was Mark Quick. All of them matter to this house. Though we... Cannot remember everyone's name today. Everyone mattered. And they still do. Because our losses and our gains have grafted us into the people we are. Our struggles and our accomplishments have worked on our behalf to keep something alive. It was a vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Think about it. Those who have come before us were careful to maintain the thought of the church. They had a vision. There was a vision. A vision is a picture. It's a picture of something to come. It's an image of a future moment. It's seen ahead of time. There's hope woven into the fabric of that design. There's a future seen that keeps the present progressing. Our vision is to worship the Lord. Our vision is to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to grow people. Our vision is to reach our city with love. We see a generational church where everyone matters and everyone is accepted. We have a vision finally and ultimately to hear the trumpet sound and to meet the Lord in the air. Our ultimate vision and goal is to dance around the throne of God. And we will never be short on vision in this house. Our vision is fully functional. And our vision is to have fully functional, healthy marriages and homes. Our vision is to build a future sanctuary and to raise up leaders and teachers and preachers alike. And Where there is no vision, the people perish, but we will never be short on vision. But if the people perish, that is the end of a people without vision. But there are other things that happen also. Because without a vision, people cherish That means they become sentimental rather than intentional. They look backwards instead of forwards because the death of a church is not always found in what is wrong with today. It could be found what was so good about yesterday without a vision people cherish. And there's no one in this church more sentimental than me. (coughs) I cry when old songs come on the radio. When I smell cologne that my wife never really wore, but I liked. (coughs) A niece, a niece. (coughs) I'm sentimental about my old youth group. And I say that in every way. I'm, I'm thankful about my old youth group when I was a teenager. But I have no group and I have little youth left. But I have a vision of the future. Because there's, where there's no vision, other things happen. Preferences flourish. Now it's no longer about adapting and making room and stretching. It's all about preferences. And where there's no vision, surrogates nurture and few accomplish, and staff relinquish, and sparks extinguish, trends demolished, power hungry admonish, where there's no vision, controlling abolish, the board refurbished, passions diminish, enemies relish, valuables tarnish, the insecure embellish, and leaders vanish where there's no vision. And I want to offer today about a vision that we can all appreciate that's absent of all those things. And I quote from Dr. Jerry Graham who said, Vision is the blazing campfire around which the people of God gather. It provides light, energy, warmth, and unity. It helps us see through God's eyes to perceive his purpose and possibilities. It strengthens us with conviction. All things are possible through Christ. Vision is our campfire. Moses had a vision of a land of promise. Joshua had a vision of conquering the inhabitants. Abraham had a vision of becoming a nation. David had a vision of a of a building, of building a temple. Paul had a vision of a Gentile revival. John had a vision of a new Jerusalem. Our founding pastor, G.E. Switzer, had a vision of new life. And I have a vision of revival, a new sanctuary, of thousands baptized, of miracles, of healings, of signs and wonders, of families worshiping together, and a generational apostolic Pentecostal church full of love and light. a vision of you being healed i have a vision of you being rescued i have a vision of your wayward children the prodigals coming back home i have a vision of miracles when you could not see through your way but god made a way i got a vision here today many years ago at that time the president and CEO of the Disney Corporation, Michael Eisner, was standing in one of the offices overlooking the Magic Kingdom. They had just concluded a big board meeting. All of the executives and junior executives, vice presidents, and operational managers were there. He turned and looked out of the big window overlooking the Magic Kingdom when one of his junior officers mused at the moment. The junior executive came up to him and said, Look at how beautiful this park is. Don't you wish that Walt Disney could have seen this? To which Mr. Eisner turned and said, Walt Disney did see it. That's why it's here. It's a vision. It's something seen aforetime. It's a sight akin to faith. Looking at the future, making plans in the present, it is our campfire. Our programs and events should be adding to the fuel of that fire. Our budget priorities have to add fuel to the fire. Our worship services, compassion ministries, our food pantry our youth groups, Bible studies, prayer meetings, ladies' ministries, and more all have to add fuel to that fire. Every sermon, song, and testimony is for the benefit of the divine purpose that is seen through the vision. So we talk about it, and we know it, and we live it, and we love it. And the greatest way to honor the memory of our loved one's past is to recite the vision and keep the campfire burning. And the best way to secure the future is to rehearse the vision, to propel it, to love it, to talk about it, to build our lives and to I have a word for all the single mothers and single fathers and young mothers and fathers. Don't pass up this moment. Your children need this church. Don't slack in a time. Don't doubt. Don't don't go through a dumb midlife crisis where you decide you're not going to be at church and you're not going to love the Lord. There's a future that needs it. Your children need it. Your babies need it. I have a word for all the seniors here today I don't know where you qualify but if you think you're a senior let me just put it this way if you got a card in the mail that said W-A-R-P somebody else thinks you're a senior so if you got any information in the mail like that let me tell you this it's too late to turn back now it's too late to quit now heaven is right around the corner and the church needs your stability your love, your passion For all the children in this church, let me tell all the children, you are the church right now. You are the living body of Jesus Christ on this earth. You are powerful. You are filled with vision and purpose. And this house loves you. And we are going to grow our children. Right. Amen. I have a vision of a future sanctuary. It's hard. For people to think about a larger building than this, but look around. Wouldn't it be nice to have a seat in between you and your friend? You wouldn't have had to pass so many mints down the pew earlier today. I know. When I walked into New Life Tabernacle at the time... We kind of got turned around. We finally found it. Church service had just started and I walked up to the platform. Janet Jenkins was playing the keyboard behind me. We preached for the first time. I remember the two sermons that I preached because I only had seven. That's true. So I picked my favorite two that I knew well and... Tammy did too. <laughs> we had a few chandeliers in the church. The main one to the right side toward the platform did not work. They couldn't turn on the side lights, which meant Sister Fell and Sister Reitzel could never read their Bibles. If they turned on the side lights, they would buzz and make a big buzzing sound in the sound system. I remember my first sermon I remember praying for Larry Johnston. I don't know what he was burdened for, but he was really praying. Now I figured it out years later. It's because he had all girls in the home and he was alone as the only guy. He was a faithful warrior and a participant in the church, and he had nothing else but just himself and his 50 pairs of shoes. And he welcomed me. We went out to one of the local restaurants. And we talked. Mark Quick hopped in our car and we went with him. We prayed three days and fasted because we really weren't looking for a church. Ellsworth Purdue on the way out that night said, would you like to be our pastor? And I said, probably not, but I'll pray about it. (laughs) brother Mooney called me and said look I don't know if you're going to take this church or not but there's some problems I just want to prepare you you're going to hear a lot about a Kubota tractor just let it go (laughs) yes trouble We called John Moore on that Wednesday and said, Brother John, we feel like this could be the will of God. And he said, that's great. We're going to vote on you on Sunday. Brother Mooney had a flip phone and he called us at our hotel and put the microphone to the phone after we were elected. By I think we got about 88%. Becky Braun did not vote for me. She later apologized and said, if we had to do it over, I would vote for you. And I said, it's too late. (laughs) Too late, baby, now it's too late. Though we really did try to make it. Get out. (laughs) She loves me and a faithful member of our church. I'll take her vote now, which means I got somewhere over the 90% because there's not very many people voting. I remember preaching in that church. In fact, the first time I came back, I looked over. In fact, even it might have been the first time I was there. I looked over at the building. It was called Out of Sonora. And I said to Mark, I said, Brother Mark, we need to get that building. He said, yes. I said, what about that house over there? He said, well, Mr. Christopher owns it. Every church that's been here tried to buy it. I said, well, we're going we're gonna to buy it from him. We're going to get that house next door. And we're going to buy, that, we're gonna buy that, that building. He said, well, Max Gibson owns that building. I said, well, that's great. Let me just go find who, it, who is that guy. He said, well, just, I don't know. Just go look him up. He knew who he was. I went to his office and sat down with him. He had a plaid shirt on and blue jeans. And I said, I'm the preacher. I'm the new pastor, we need your building, i got to buy it. He said, well let me give you three reasons why I don't want to sell it. He gave me all of his reasons and I told him stories. He started to laugh, he kicked his feet up on top of his desk. Uh-huh. I didn't know who he was. Little did I know that he could have given it to us, and he really did. And he helped us with that, that building, with another house, and with this property that we're on right now. He's the one who called and said, hey, Jeffrey i got something for you that piece of property if you want it I'll make sure you get it and we got it and the house next door that wouldn't that wouldn't sell I asked Mr. Christopher all of our guys mowed his lawn we picked up his limbs and his trees and he told me many times I'm only going to sell it to somebody in the family. I would go to his house and sit down. His wife would bring me things to eat and we would look through, the, we would look through all of the archives of the family and one by one we were looking through these books and, and one day while I was looking through the books, I put my finger on a picture and somebody in the family had the last name of Harpole. And I said, Mr. Christopher, I'm in the family. That's when Mrs. Christopher looked at him and said, John, I guess he's got a point. And when she passed away, he didn't know what to do with it. And we bought that building and God was good. And we didn't have, listen, we didn't have enough money. We had a window problem. We had ladybug farms growing in the window. That's right. And Brother Mac put in all the brand new windows in the church. We bought them for $200 a piece and he spent several weeks putting in the brand new windows of our church so the ladybugs wouldn't come in. And I remember preaching in that sanctuary when we only had eight people in on my Sunday morning service, eight adults because everyone else was working with the children and when we'd call for the choir and Steve Richardson would start to play... 35 people would come up and sing in the choir and there were more people in the choir than there were on the pews and a couple of people asked to join and I said no too late you can't come up here either because we wouldn't have anybody to sing to so you got to sit in the pew. I got a vision. You may not see it right now but let me tell you it was really hard preaching. Hey, I had a vision. I kept calling out we're going to have 800 people. That's a big task. 800 when you only have eight. 800 when you have no money. 800 when you don't have any property and when the building leaked. But I'm going to stand up and say, I believe what the elder said. I'm preaching and I'm believing for 2,000 people. I got a vision. I got a vision to get all the up and outers and all the down and outers. I got a vision to get all the people that are struggling and everybody think that you're good. I got a vision for every denomination, every creed, and every color, and every status of level, high or low. I got a vision for the executives and the doctors and the attorneys and the judges and the drug addicts and the prostitutes and everybody else because everybody needs Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, brother. So I want to talk about it. And I want to love it. And I want to build a sanctuary. The building you're sitting in was never intended to be our sanctuary. We just didn't want to get in over our head, but we did anyway. The bank gave us the approval for the loan, but they got ahead of themselves. And the appraiser at the time came back to appraise the building that was not yet built. And he said, you can't get the loan. The bank then rejected their original offer. We had a lawsuit. We could have sued them, but we didn't. We were short $650,000. Uh-huh. And we don't play Bingo. Unfortunately, <laughs> that had helped. Uh-huh. And I was sweating bullets every night. Cuz all I could hear is the voice of the enemy, you've misled the people. This is never going to happen. You're going to be halfway done and not have enough money to fulfill it. But God did it. He did it. We got a second loan and we finished the building. And we didn't just pay off our mortgage. We remodeled the whole North Campus and we asphalted the entire campus. We remodeled buildings and bought houses. We built four brand new beautiful studio apartments that missionaries stay in all the time. And some people who are traveling stay in all the time. We bought and and tore down an old building and built the Compassion Ministries building that fed last year 50,000 meals. We gave away 110,000 loaves of bread two years ago. That's right. We didn't just pay off a building. We put in more asphalt and, and built more things and bought more supplies and did more ministry. And we, and we bought two brand new beautiful buses. And we wrapped them with beautiful advertisement wraps. And God did a great thing. And I'm excited today to stand before you and say that God completed what He started. He is the author. He is the finisher. It's the vision of the Lord. It's not about men, but it is about God. And God did it. And it is marvelous. in our.